God inhabits the praise of his people, Psalms 22, verse 3. He is in the praise. Unbridled praise, praise from a grateful heart, praise with your might. God inhabits that kind of praise. Psalms 47, 1, O clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Uninhibited praise sends the devils flying. When young David plays the songs of God upon his harp, the evil spirits would be lifted from King Saul. The devils of oppressing darkness must flee at the entrance of God-inhabited praise because God is light. It's just that simple. My observation through the years is that most of the redeemed are praising at best at half-throttle. When one is clean before the Lord and grateful for the marvelous grace of God, real uninhibited praise, God-inhabited praise, is the result. The Bible describes certain things attributed to high praise. 1. Approaching God with clean hands and a pure heart. 2. Clapping your hands unto God with high energy. 3. Shouting and singing unto God with emphasis and focused gratitude. And number 4. Lifting your hands to heaven in total surrender. God inhabits this kind of praise from which all darkness must by necessity flee. Open the throttle wide. Liberating praise is a gift of God in which only the born again can partake. Have you yet to be born again? High God-inhabited praise arises at this place and grows as one grows in the faith. Today can be your new, really new, totally new beginning. Today, all your sin and shame can be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. Today, you can enter into 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This isn't religious baloney, but truth-laden promise. It's eternally real. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Stop. Do it now. We'll wait for you here. Now for today's subject. God said, Psalms 33, 1 through 4, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the Lord, well, the word of the Lord, excuse me, is right, and all his works are done in truth. God said, Psalms 33, verse 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Man said, the Bible is a load of bizarre statements that are supported only by the hot air of its followers. Anyone with a modicum of understanding rejects it without any fear of a soon-coming judgment day. Now the record. It's true. Every jot and every tittle. This is God Said, Man Said, feature 903, that will for the 903rd time Certify the beautiful inerrancy of God's holy book, one bizarre pronouncement after another, miracles and all. All of these powerful features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the edification of the blood-bought and as bait for the fishers of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting.
May God's face shine upon you and your circumstances this day. The redeemed need unassailable proof that God's word is true. Everything depends on it. And in this series, we are on our way, God willing, to God proof number 200, at which point we intend to stop and address other subjects. At a future time, we will add another hundred God proofs. In today's first God proof, you will find some necessary redundancy. God proof number 146, Genesis 5 5. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. God proofs 146, 147, and 148 deal with the historian's record concerning the phenomenal lifespan of ancient man. It also demonstrates the catastrophic results when truth is rejected for hypothesis. The following paragraph is found in the writings of famed historian Flavius Josephus. Now, when Noah had lived 350 years after the flood, and that all of that time happily, he died having the number of 950 years. But let no one, upon comparing the lives of the ancients with our lives, and with the few years which we now live, think that what we have said of them is false, or make the shortness of our lives at present an argument that neither did they attain to so long a duration of life. For those ancients were beloved of God, and lately made by God himself, and because their food was then fitter for the prolongation of life, might well live so great a number of years. And besides, God afforded them a longer time of life on account of their virtue and the good use they made of it in astronomical and geometrical discoveries, which would not have afforded the time of foretelling the periods of the stars unless they had lived 600 years, for the great year is completed in that interval. Now I have for witnesses to what I have said all those that have written antiquities, both among the Greeks and barbarians, for even Manetho, who wrote the Egyptian history, and Berossus, who collected the Chaldean monuments, and Mochus, and Hestius, and besides these, Hieronymus the Egyptian, and those who composed the Phoenician history, agree to what I hear say, Hesiod also, and Acatus, Helicanus, and Acusilus, and besides Ephorus and Nicholas relate that the ancients lived a thousand years. But as to these matters, let everyone look unto them as he thinks fit. End of quote. The Bible records an average lifespan of 911 years before the flood, and the historians say yes. Proof number 147, Genesis 5, verse 27, And all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Watch the deceivableness of unrighteousness at work and how childlike faith defeats it. If men lived an average pre-flood life of 911 years, or basically 13 times longer than we do today, and they certainly did, then much of the world's knowledge that rejects this biblical record would have a very distorted view of reality, and it certainly does. Consider Neanderthal man. The Neanderthal man is showcased by Darwinian scientists as an evolutionary progression to today's modern man. The following excerpt is from the God Said, Man Said feature, Adam Was to Live Forever. Tremendously long pre-flood lifespans answer many questions. Consider Neanderthal man, one of the evolution's supposed links between ape and man. 
Because pseudoscience has rejected the Bible and the creation model, the following truth has escaped the followers of pseudoscience. A.L. Gillen writes in his book, Body by Design, the following. Dr. Jack Cousseau, a research orthodontist for over 30 years in his book, Buried Alive, explains Neanderthal man's skeletons. His studies show that the human head does not stop growing as we age. Contrasting the measurements of people's heads when they were 19, in their late 40s, and some at age 80, he discovered that the head changed in the following manner. 1. The brow ridge came forward. 2. The jaw came forward. 3. The nose got bigger. 4. The chin came forward. 5. The cheeks came forward and flattened out. 6. The teeth came forward. 7. The back of the head started to point out. Think of a baby's soft head. It is fashioned with cartilage as well as bone. Our skull gradually changes over time from fetus to infant to adolescent to adult. This has been known for some time. But more recently, Dr. Jack Cousseau has found that our skull continues to change in our old age, and assuming man could live to 150, 200, 300, or even 500 years of age, this pattern of change would produce an individual that looked remarkably like, guess who, Neanderthal man. End of quote. God proof number 148, Genesis 9:29, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Dinosaurs. Think about dinosaurs for a minute. Man living 13 times longer before the flood of Noah suggests that all of God's creatures would have enjoyed a similar benefit. Consider reptiles, which of course include lizards that never stop growing. An old snake is a big snake. Reptiles never stop growing. Take into consideration that prior to the flood, under God's perfect water canopy, which blocked out ultraviolet killer rays from the sun, there was an abundance of perfect air, water, and food. Now consider the Chinese iguana that can reach a length of 12 feet. If that terrible lizard would live 13 times longer, and if it grew in equal proportion, it would be 156 feet long and potentially several stories tall. The word dinosaur, which was coined in 1848, simply means terrible lizard. Evolution's poster child, the dinosaur, is just a giant reptile. When God's word is rejected, foolishness is the result. Yes, man lived to nearly a thousand years of age in the days of old, hence Neanderthals, dinosaurs, and the like. The Bible declares it so, and the records say yes. The Bible is the solid truth. Stand on it. God proof number 149, Numbers chapter 21, verses 5 through 9. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, 
when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Were there really fiery serpents sent by God to plague the ungrateful complainers of Israel? Did a man named Moses receive a remedy from God, which entailed a staff and a brazen serpent? Is this biblical account reliable history? The following paragraphs are from the book, The Bible is History. Surprisingly enough, quite recently, we have had archaeological confirmation of two occurrences in the biblical account of the journey through the desert, which nobody would have expected in this connection. In spite of all the planning and systematic work, chance nevertheless has its part to play in archaeology, and chance does not always pay any attention to what the scholars expect. In this case, it enabled the Israeli archaeologist Ben Rothenberg to discover a serpent of brass and a tabernacle in the copper mine area of Timnah. It is reported that there was a similar idol in the Temple of Jerusalem, which was not removed until it was broken in pieces by King Hezekiah of Judah, who reigned around 700 B.C., end of quote. Many years later, the children of Israel transgressed against God in the matter of the brazen serpent. Second Kings 18.4 speaks of King Hezekiah and Nehushtan. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. The Bible as history continues. The serpent idol naturally reminds us of the Sumerian serpent staff on a vase dedicated to the god of lightning, Gizida. It reminds us, too, of the Asclepius staff of a later phase of classical antiquity, as well as of the numerous serpents of ancient Egypt. Already at the beginning of this century, a German scholar, H. Gressman, had asserted that the brazen serpent in the Bible must have been taken over from the Midianites with whom the Israelis were in contact during the journey through the desert. According to the Bible, the Midianites were descendants from Abraham's wife Keturah, and Rule, or Jethro, a priest of the Midianites, who was the father-in-law, advisor, and co-celebrant before the Lord uh, with Moses. The Israelites are supposed to owe the strange cult of the brazen serpent to Rule. It is not without a touch of dramatic effect that we note that it was at an archaeological site showing signs of Midianite occupation that Benno Rothenberg found an idol in the form of a brazen serpent five inches in length and partly decorated with gold. As though this sensational confirmation of an important part of the biblical account of the journey through the desert, which have been the object of so much discussion, were not enough, this small bronze serpent was found in the Holy of Holies of a tabernacle. End of quote. Moses, the brazen serpent, archaeology says yes. God proof 150, Isaiah chapter 41, 21 through 23. Produce your cause, saith the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, saith the king of Jacob. Let them bring them forth and show us what shall happen. Let them show the former things what they be that we may consider them and know the latter end of them, or declare us things for to come. Show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that ye are gods. Yea, do good or do evil, that we may be dismayed and behold it together. Probability in regard to God's prophecies establishes the absolute supernatural source of what is called the Holy Bible. 
Biblical researchers count over 300 Old Testament prophecies concerning the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, alone. Grant Jeffrey, in his book Jesus, the Great Debate, reviews 17 of the Bible's Christ predictions and computes the probability that they all could be fulfilled by just one man, he writes. This analysis has shown that 17 detailed prophecies, which were written more than four centuries before the birth of Jesus, were fulfilled with absolute precision during the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The question we need to consider is this. What are the chances that all 17 of these predictions occurred by chance in the life of a single man, rather than by the divine plan of God? The combined probability against these 17 predictions occurring is equal to one chance and 480 billion times 1 billion times 1 trillion, or one chance and 48 with 32 zeros. Statistician Dr. Peter Stone calculated the odds of a man making just 48 of the biblical prophecies of the coming Jesus Christ and having them come to pass. The odds of a man making these predictions and having them come to pass are one in one, followed by 144 zeros, a number so huge that language can't label it. The chance of any man just making eight of the prophecies and having them come to pass is one in a hundred million billion. If a mortal has one chance in a hundred million billion of successfully making these predictions, then the other side of this equation would simply say that all the numbers in one hundred million billion, with the exception of one, are the chances these prophecies were made by a supernatural God. God's word is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever. God said, Psalms 33, 1 through 4, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise, for the word of the Lord is right, and all his words are done in truth. God said, Psalms 33, verse 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Man said, The Bible is a load of bizarre statements that are supported only by the hot air of its followers. Anyone with a modicum of understanding rejects it without any fear of a soon-coming judgment day. Now you have the record. <laughs> 